and welcome to another astonishing episode of Cam Fu and Friends. <laughs> We're astonishing. <laughs> I'm astonished by every episode. Do you notice I use a different word every time? That was pretty good. <laughs> Clever. On this show, we give you news, our opinions, and our views on things like movies, TV shows, music, and more. We are doing things a little bit different this time, as we are going to release three mini-episodes in celebration of the end of the year. Each episode will be dedicated to listing our top five favorites from different categories. For this episode, our discussion topic is our five favorite films of 2011. Mm. Our other two episodes will be about our favorite music and our favorite TV shows, so definitely stay tuned for that. I am your host, Cam Fu, movie buff and overall general pop culture (laughs) fan. You always laugh right there, but I don't care. I'm going to keep going. We want to thank you for tuning in today, and we hope that you had a wonderful and relaxing Christmas and a fun New Year's. Let me quickly Or Kwanzaa. Yeah, or Or Kwanzaa. Whatever it is. Or whatever you believe in. Yeah. Let solstice. Me, winter solstice. Winter solstice. Yes, festival. Snow festival. Whatever. Let me quickly introduce my guest host for this episode. Joining us again, as you've already heard, is my good friend Andrew. Welcome back, Andrew. Yay. How was your Christmas? It was amazing. My winter solstice was amazing. Thank you. I danced in the snow. <laughs> Gave myself gifts aplenty. It uh-huh. was a good time. Yeah, very yep. deep as always. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming back on. Uh, My second guest host for today is making his first appearance on Cam Foon Friends. He's a big movie buff as well and sees a lot of the smaller, quote-unquote, art house films. Smurfs. <laughs> yeah, the Smurfs. <laughs> I want to welcome my friend and co-worker, Joel Cavernmo, to the podcast. Welcome, Joel. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Joel! So Joel and I work together, and we work on digital signage together, and uh, we maintain and support that. And for those who don't know what digital signage is... I was just about to inquire, what is digital signage, Cameron? (laughs) Well, Andrew, digital signage is where... I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, you know, imagine a TV screen. Yeah. And then uh, any content that you can imagine we can put on there in okay. a signage-related role. So, say, if you've been to McDonald's recently, they'll have a menu on screen oh. with video as well. Wow. Yeah, I just went to Burger King the other day, and I saw that they have digital signage. So, basically, it's TV screens up there, and there's, like, videos of, like, showing the hamburgers being flame-broiled or whatever, you know? Right. Things to, like, whet your appetite, right? Yeah. Things to what? Imagine if you had a movie poster that moved. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it's a great idea. That's an example of digital signage. Now, does yeah. it get a little too busy, or is there too much stuff going well, that's, on? Well, that's our job, is to not make it look busy. Yeah. Right. But, unfortunately, Joel is leaving us very soon. Indeed. And you are God. moving to California, is that correct? Yep, I'm moving to L.A. And what are you going to be doing there? Well, uh... Occupying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm bringing them down. Take them down. And Take down L.A. No, uh, my my wife and I are moving to L.A. We have some great friends down there. Uh, my wife has a letterpress business here in Seattle, and so we'll be moving that down. We have a couple tons of uh, metal to wow. move down there. You asked when we were off air what letterpress printing yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So know. imagine, like, as old school printing as you can imagine, like, each letter is set oh. individually. Wow. Uh, you know, it's cast out of lead. Mm-hmm. And then you print things, you know, with lead type. Okay. And uh, so, you know, especially because people are getting more into, like, heritage type stuff these days. You know, people want letterpressed business cards or letterpressed stationery or letterpressed uh, wedding announcements or whatever. And the easiest way to tell if something's letterpressed is if you touch the paper in the 
the letters are indented in the paper. Mm. That's been letter pressed. Well, cool. Uh, what's your wife's business called? Uh, the business is the Iron Curtain Press. Uh, you can find it at ironcurtainpress.com. Awesome. Well, there you go. And we'll also include a link at the bottom of the podcast article for all of you listeners. My third guest host for today is also a newcomer to the podcast and is, of course, another big fan of movies. This is the first time we're actually having someone phone into the show, so we're pretty excited here. I've been friends with this guy for over a decade now, and he was one of my groomsmen in my wedding. He is coming to us from Arizona. I want to welcome Joel Mayward to Camfu and Friends. Welcome, Joel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be able to talk movies with all of you guys. Awesome. How was your Christmas and New Year's? Christmas was fantastic. My two-year-old got a trike, and yes. I got a Blu-ray and DVD of The Tree of Life. So Nice. See that. Cool. All right. Well, Joel, you are a youth pastor for a church in Arizona. Is that correct? That's correct. And you guys, I, I seem to catch something on Facebook about a film festival. What was that all about? Yeah. Uh, this last year, we had each of the high school small groups. We have eight of them spend their entire fall season creating a movie for their small group. Each small group had to make a five- to seven-minute film based on a setting, a genre, and three random elements that they picked out of the hat. Uh, so my movie was an action movie set in Ikea that contained a beard, a cat, and me, since I was one of the random elements. <laughs> they, all, they all turned out pretty funny. Nice. Yeah, the winning one was a documentary about pirates and Batman and mustaches. Ooh, Andrew would like that. I would like to see that, yeah. (laughs) He loves Batman, so. Well, very cool. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Let's get right into the show. Let's talk about our five favorite films of 2011. Movies. All right, well, we're going to do this in a rotation style, so we're each going to list off our favorite films, and we're going to start with number five, and I will go ahead and kick us off. My fifth favorite film of 2011 is the snowboarding documentary, The Art of Flight. And it's a little bit of an obscure pick because, uh, well, I, I never saw it on any other list out there on the internet, but, uh, I loved it because it is total eye candy for me. The uh, camera systems that they used in the film were the similar ones that they used in uh, Planet Earth, and it's it's just gorgeous. It's directed by a guy named Kurt Morgan, who's made other snowboarding films. And uh, what else? It has an awesome soundtrack with bands like M83, The Naked and Famous, there's Seeger Ross on there, and Dead Mouse. I mean, it's just got an awesome soundtrack. And uh, the, my only complaint, is that I wish there was more of a narrative to the movie. Instead, it's kind of like a mix between a snowboarding mix movie and trying to be deep, like asking boarders questions like, what is snowboarding to you? And they'll be like, oh, snowboarding is like going to church for me. And it's like, uh... You're up you on know. the mountain, it's like so pitted, man. It's like, <laughs> brah! Yeah, exactly. Ah. I'm like, okay, you either be a deep documentary or be a snowboarding mix movie. Don't kind of mix the two. It's kind of a little awkward. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's just visually gorgeous. So that alone is is worth it. Joel Cavernmo, you have seen it, correct? Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was awesome. It was really visually great. I wouldn't put it in my top, you know, top five for 2011 just because I've seen a lot of snowboarding films and the, what put this one above the rest of snowboarding films was the technical, like, photography they put into it. They had, uh, tracking shots that 
in traditional snowboard films, you basically are getting what you can get. And in this one, they're using dollies and jib arms and helicopters right. and all yeah. that kind of stuff that is kind of an unconventional way to shoot the snowboarding action in addition to using like red epic cameras and crazy high definition, you know, 4K or whatever. Uh, was that an IMAX? Uh, no, I don't think it was. No, but. I saw it at Benaroya or um, at Macaw Hall, so in like the um, in a in a giant performance yeah. venue here. Oh. It, it didn't even get like a limited release. It just like had a traveling uh, tour, and they yeah. played the film at different cities. It, yeah, a traveling tour. Yeah, is that redundant? <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, it wasn't. It kind of tried to be a little deeper than it was, uh, which is fine. It's just snowboarding film. Yeah. Um, but as far as snowboarding films go, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. All right, so let's move to Andrew. What was your number five favorite? Uh, I didn't know there was supposed to be an order. <laughs> so uh, all Every time I always introduce you, it's always, I didn't know it was this. I didn't well, know it was that. <laughs> you don't give me very good direction. Oh. So I have to yeah. just kind of wing it. Yeah. Um, well, I guess out of my list, if I wing it here, I'd have to go with uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Awesome. Yeah. That was that also was... on my list, but not in my top five. Yeah. But it, I loved it. It was that. probably my favorite comedy of the year. Yeah. I mean, I saw Horrible Bosses and a few, few of the other big ones. Bridesmaids was close to being on the list. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just I thought it was really clever. I identified with uh, some of the things that uh, Steve Carell went through when he got <laughs> divorced. So, oh, you know, yeah. you kind of want everybody to know your pain, and they're probably like, oh, just shut up. Sure. But, yeah, I thought it was really clever. I did not see the twist there at the end, so... Totally. Yeah. It's unexpected, and yeah, I didn't expect it to be a good movie. Ryan Gosling, your man crush, was... Actually, he's really good. He's a really good actor. I like him a lot. Yeah. We got the wedding registry at Target already filled out, Ryan and I. Oh, yeah. That's nice. (laughs) Um, Joel Mayward, you saw Crazy Stupid Love, didn't you? I did. And what did you think? Uh, I liked it. Uh, I went and saw it with my wife. Made us laugh quite a bit. I thought Ryan Gosling was funnier than Steve Carell, which surprised me. Yeah. And uh, I think the one part that really bummed me out about seeing it was at the end. And this is kind of a spoiler, but... Um, All right. Spoiler for, for Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah, when the teen girl gives uh, the pictures that she's taken of herself to the little boy at the end of the movie, kind of there's this... I don't know, this kind of moment of supposedly an ongoing romance. There were literally groans in the theater because we were like, this is child porn in a way. Yeah. And maybe that's supposed to be funny in some ways. But for me in particular, working with teenagers, um, it just kind of lost it for me right there. Mm -hmm. Moment where everything's going well, I'm laughing, I'm having a good time. And then it's just kind of, oh, really? That's just kind of... Yeah, there's usually something in comedies that makes my, myself included cringe a little bit where you're like, gee, I wish they would have left that out, you know, or cut it. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I forgot about that part. All right, scratch it. I hated that movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's substitute uh, Battle of Los Angeles for that one. Oh, geez, That was fantastic. Really? <laughs> no, that was the shit movie here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah. Yeah, no, I get you. <laughs> Cool. Did you see it, Joel? I did. And oh. actually, uh, that I would, I'll just say that's uh, also on my list. Is ah, the best movie. All right, cool. Well, you're up, so okay. why don't you talk about Now, I was about to say, I have to say that for all the movies that came out this year that were good movies, and I watch all the trailers, I, I see like every trailer and form an opinion of the movie before I've seen it. I'm ashamed to say I haven't. There, uh, there's a lot of good movies that I did not see. 
So looking back at my best of 2011, it's uh, pretty piddling. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, top five it's, trailers. It's not, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can get, well, and I have my top five movies that I wish I had seen, <laughs> but <laughs> have not yet seen. Uh, but yeah, Crazy Stupid Love, I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny and original. And the scene uh, when Steve Carell just can't stand to be in the car a second later and rolls out of the car. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, is that your number five? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Hey, what, what were the chances? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are alike. All right, Jill Mayward, what is your number five favorite film of the year? Uh, my number five is Midnight in Paris. Awesome. Uh, Woody Allen. Woody Allen's latest film. It was a film that I just kind of found myself telling other people throughout the year, hey, you probably should check this out. You've probably not heard of it, but you should definitely rent it or go see it in theaters. And it was a movie that I had to go see twice. First time just by myself, and then the second time I had to take my wife because we'd been to Paris a couple of years ago, and it was just kind of a strolled out memory lane seeing all this, you know, the Parisian uh, art and the culture and little coffee shops. And then uh, I don't really want to give away the plot of it because mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the best surprise of the film um, is to watch as Owen Wilson's character gets just as surprised as we are in the audience for the kind of magical journey he gets taken on. Right. And I even love the fact that they don't explain how any of that happens. It just kind of, these things just kind of happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it's one of those things, too, that just, I love, I love art. I love literature. Um, and so having all these kind of cultural references that are brought up throughout the film, I'm like, Hey, I've read stuff by that guy. And Hey, I've seen that film by that guy. And, uh, I loved all of that too. And it has Rachel McAdams, um, kind of being bitchy, which is kind of different for, <laughs> uh, for her, uh, That's true. role for her. So she was one of the best villains that I've seen all year. Nice. Yeah. I never really thought about that. She, she is usually typically playing the uh, sweet uh, character that the guys are going after, sort of. Right. But, uh, this time she was kind of not so great. No. And Owen Wilson does his best Woody Allen impersonation ever. Oh, totally. He just nailed it. He's a better Woody Allen than Woody Allen was in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed Midnight in Paris as well, and uh, it was one of the movies that I played at home and my wife was on the computer doing other things, and the movie sucked her in. Like, she closed her laptop and then had to watch with me. And so uh, that's just a big testament to the film's uh, awesomeness. And uh, I agree with pretty much everything that you said. Uh, I listed it in my top ten, not quite top five. So, But very, very good movie. All right, so moving on to number four. My fourth favorite film of the year was Like Crazy. Now, this was a uh, small film. It got a limited release, but it won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance in 2011. And uh, Felicity Jones, the actress in the film, also won a uh, special Grand Jury Prize for her performance in the movie. For those who don't know, the movie is about two lovers, and the uh, girl is from England. She's a student in America. She overstays her visa goes back home and can't come back into the U.S. And uh, so it's it's mostly a movie about dealing with the long-distance relationship thing. I think this movie does not appear on too many other critics' lists, but it really had an effect on me because 
I kind of went through something similar with my wife, Bethany, you know, joining the Air Force and being separated while I was in Germany and she was in the United States. And then uh, even after we got married, she still had to get sent back to the United States and I, while I finished up my tour in Germany. And it was just— Was it a traveling tour? It was a traveling tour. <laughs> Rick Steves yes. and I were really busy. Right. Uh, no, it wasn't as fun as uh, sightseeing, but it uh, it was definitely very hard. It was a hard moment in my life. And so I really connected with this film. I thought it was really well made. What's it called? Like Crazy. I don't think I even heard of it. Yeah, it, it didn't get a very wide release. Yeah. Did you see Joel Cofermo? No, I didn't see nope. it because I didn't see anything in 2011. <laughs> but uh, it had the guy, it had Chekhov from Star Trek. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the uh, male star in the yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I, I actually got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. I took a, a group of college guys to go check it out because they had a limited release down here in Phoenix. And uh, one of the guys... Uh, is currently dating a girl in Latvia, which is an obscure little country in Europe. Yeah. Um, and she was rejected for a visa about a year ago. Oh. And so he just came out of that film just an emotional wreck. Yeah. Like, this is me on a movie. Oh, jeez. Um, so he, I think he really, in that kind of emotionally empathetic way, really connected with it on a deeper level. Um, I personally, because I've never been through that kind of a thing, was more of, I could appreciate it, but not necessarily love it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, totally. It, and it it was filmed on a very small budget, and uh, they used, I think the majority of the time, they used a Canon 7D, which is just a DSLR that does 1080p. You know, it's... You own that? Yeah, I have that. <laughs> so there hey, you go. Hey, you guys want to make a movie after this? Yeah, let's do it. A little, little old movie uh, that uh, got bought at Sundance and... You know, saw a decent release, nothing big, though. It might see a little more money in DVD action. But, uh, all right, Andrew, what's your number four? Well, number four, I just saw it recently, but I believe it came out in 2011, was, uh, shockingly, after seeing the preview, which I thought was terrible, was Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm. Okay. I was surprised that I was as emotionally invested in it, maybe because I like monkeys, but (laughs) (laughs) especially talking smart monkeys. They're pretty impressive. But, you know, I saw the trailer. I was like, it looks silly. Oh, it, totally. They look really cartoony. And But I like how they twisted the story. I'm a fan of the original, you know, where the apes are already controlling everything, and then you find out it's Earth and that whole deal. But this what? kind of... This, yeah. This oh, kind of, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the original Planet Just of the Apes. Just ruined it. <laughs> it only came out 1968. <laughs> no, that's cool. But I kind of played on that and how that could actually... If you know, come to fruition, which I always wondered about, because I was like, well, how'd the apes take over anyway? You know, and yeah. then the humans are all like kind of dumb in the field. But anyway, this one, I guess it's Andy Serkis that did Gollum, right? Did the uh, motion capture acting. Correct. And the performance was, I actually was moved by his struggles, you know? Yeah. So it was, in that way, totally had me. And I just thought it was good overall. Yeah. You know? You know, they're going to put, or I think, they're trying to put Andy Serkis up for an Academy Award nomination. Right, right. How do you feel about that, about an actor playing a CGI role or a motion capture role? Well, I mean, he's giving a performance and uh-huh. they're using it, right? So yeah. I think I think it's cool. I, I agree. Mean, why not? You. I agree. Yeah, he's clearly like, you know, he was he was King Kong. He was Gollum. He's the like, sea captain in Tintin. Yep. He right, right. was now the ape in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Like, he clearly leads movies with his motion capture abilities absolutely 
Cool. And if you gave that kind of a role to somebody like a Brad Pitt or a George Clooney, they could never pull it off. It That's true. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. The same. He's got a unique set of skills that he can actually act in the way that you feel emotion for a monkey. <laughs> yeah. All right. Joel Cavermo, what is your number four? Uh, I would say my number four would probably be Attack the Block. Oh, nice. Uh, I really liked it. Um, I, I'd heard, I mean, to the podcast that I listened to, I'd heard a lot of hype about it. I don't know if the general public. Was that this podcast? Uh, no, I don't think it was. <laughs> he doesn't listen there's, to this one. Uh, there's other podcasts <laughs> out there. Not in my mind. Yeah. Uh, so I'd heard some things about it, and so uh, I uh, checked it out, and it was great. It's been compared a lot to The Goonies, which I would say is half accurate. Like, it is a real, like, kind of kids adventure movie, but there's also a lot of, like, gruesome deaths and stuff in it, which is not really what The Goonies was like. So <laughs> I, I would say that Nick Frost, the director, was probably... No, wait. Did Nick Frost direct that? No. Joe oh. Cornish. There you go. He wrote and directed. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say that Joe Cornish definitely was like thinking about the Goonies when he made it. Uh, but I wouldn't say that it was like, you know, our generation's Goonies necessarily. What sure. did you think of the creatures? I've heard some mixed. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah, I thought they were really original. Yeah, they were so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they were subtle in that, you know, um, you didn't ever see a super clear, like, you know, like in the round uh, shot of them. Right. And the fact that they were a black that was so black you could not really see definition in them yeah. that made it great because the most glaring thing about them was their like glowing teeth. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, oh, and, I remember when the glowing teeth pop out that in the first moment when they show those. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. think it's eyes dumped. almost. I just didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah, and if you haven't checked it out already, the Attack the Block iPhone game is awesome. I it's didn't know so there much was fun. One. Yeah, it's great. Huh. So I think everyone in this uh, on this in this room on this podcast has seen Attack the Block. I have. Yeah. So I thought it was great. It's on my list too. So I'll talk about it now. I mean, it's it was. Uh, I thought it was super original. I loved the creatures. I liked the whole. You know, you don't like the kids at the beginning. They're punks, right? But then you kind of like them. Even they're, they're, there's just some charm to each one of them. And their accents are funny if you can understand them. <laughs> and uh, I actually did what, like my parents do. I watched it with the subtitles on. I did too. So I, I watched could. it a couple times, and I was like, "What do you say?" You know, that's alien, bro. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Believe. It's like I'm not sure what that means. I guess it's cool over in uh, jolly old England. But <laughs> and Joel, did it make your list? Uh, it did. It was my not my top five, but it was my number ten, and awesome. I just loved. Yeah. Cool. I loved watching teenagers play <laughs> aliens. I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. All right, uh, so what's your number four? Uh, my number four is Hugo, the Martin Scorsese family film. Yes. Um, I don't know how you go from The Departed <laughs> and Better <laughs> Island and all that to Hugo, but there you go. Yeah. Um, and it's the second movie that's set in Paris, so there's probably a bias there for me. Right. Uh, I just loved, I watched it in 3D, and I thought it was the best, and I know that sounds like an extreme, but the best use of 3D in a non-animated film that I've ever seen. Um, uh, yeah. The opening sequence in the snow was just beautiful, and uh, it just feels like you're going into this other world as you go into this train station, and this huge labyrinth of 
all these clock clock parts and moving gears and everything that this little guy is kind of running around in and living in. And it it took me places I didn't really expect. You kind of don't really know where the story is leading to um, until finally you realize realize who um, George Malise or Malaise is and uh, and reveal some of his story. So I just love that it was kind of. I'm a, I'm a huge movie fan. I've seen A Trip to the Moon, which is one of the first films ever made, really. And uh, to see that and the backstory behind it was an amazing thing to see. And just kind of this love letter to cinema. I just, my movie-loving heart was stirred up by that. So <laughs> I really appreciated it. So it's not animated at all? It's all... There are some CGI elements, but not with characters or anything like that. Oh, okay. I guess yeah. I'm, yeah, I need to see it. I'm completely confused. I thought it was animated. Yeah. I saw it as well and agree with you 100%. Loved it. Um, made my top 20 somewhere. I don't remember where I put it, but uh, it was very good. Very, very good. Anyone else? Joel? I haven't seen it. No? Cool. How was the trailer, Joel? The trailer was okay. <laughs> I, I was left nonplussed. Hmm. I wasn't that interested in it. We should add that Joel Cavernmo uh, watches a lot of trailers, like pretty much all trailers, and he runs a website um, where he kind of reviews the trailers and oh. talks about like how well the trailer was made and then what the potential uh, of that movie is, whether it's going to be good or bad or, you know, whatever. So I what, you want to plug that, that from watching the trailer and then watching the film? No, no, no. I don't need to watch the film. I've, I've already pronounced my judgment. <laughs> it, this is one of those moments where I felt like the trailer it kind of paints this picture of this like fun family film and all this other stuff. And they talk about Scorsese being, you know, this is his family movie and it is, and it's rated PG for a reason because it is more or less kid friendly and there's some silly moments in it, but there's just kind of a richness and a depth to it that goes way beyond most family features. That's good. Um, That's good to hear. I I would say that uh, it's probably one of those movies for me. That's like crazy, stupid love where I watched the trailer and was just like, meh, whatever. Uh, but I never pushed to learn anything about it. And then when you have someone that has seen it and knows a lot about movies and they can recommend it, then that's, for me, that's the time where I can be like, oh, well, maybe I was wrong. And uh, it's good to hear that it actually was uh, a good movie. Yeah, you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a very good movie. You should, you should check it out. Okay. All right, so number three for me is The Artist, the mm. black and white silent film from uh, France. It's a movie that could have been a big gimmick, but it's totally not. It's totally enchanting and charming. Six Golden Globe nominations so far and five Independent Spirit Award nominations, so I'm not alone in thinking that this Mm -hmm. is an awesome movie. But I will agree that it's not for everyone. I would say that fans of classic silent cinema will love this, and then the art house crowd is definitely going to enjoy it. I think it'll get a big Oscar push, and I think it'll get nominated, and I think it'll see a wider release, and I'm not sure how the public is going to take it. It's it's going to be interesting to find out, but I thought it was charming. Loved it. How's it doing overall, like, box office wise? Um, it's doing well, but only because it's in few theaters. Right. It's, yeah. it's very select right now, but yeah, performing decently. Anyone else catch I it? I did not see it. I would like to. I've seen the other movies by this director and actor pair, uh, the OSS 117 films. Yep. And um, I would say the exact same thing for those films where if you're a film fan, 
and you like have your your mind is ready for it. You know, the OSS 117 films are classic 60s spy spoofs. Yeah, like James Bond and mm-hmm. you know, the Mission Impossible, that type of thing. And it's ev- like everything it is so those. flawless. Like the the film stock look looks, you know, the color palette. Sure. And everything looks it's it's like a it's like a spoof Mad Men. Like everything is so flawlessly set designed and mise en scene and everything. Uh, but they're funny. And so the fact that they went for uh, for a silent film aesthetic, and even in the trailer, you can tell the the actor's expression. You know, just the the way that they portray what a silent actor would look like. It looks perfect. It, and unfortunately, I haven't seen it. It almost is. It it almost is perfect. There are few moments where I'm like, ah, it, it's too clear of a picture. Like there's, it's too in focus, or you know, mm-hmm. little moments like that. But overall, they they captured it. They captured those years perfectly. Yeah. So, Andrew, number three. Number three. Well, I think I'm going to roll with uh, Super 8. <laughs> so, why? <laughs> well, we talked about it on the show before. I mean, I, again, to me, it had that kind of childhood, you know, group of kids kind of adventure vibe to it. And uh had a cool alien in it. So, oh, is that, that's, a, that's a blooper or a... Um, a spoiler. A spoiler. Uh, well, I think pe- everybody knows by now. Yeah, you, I, I mean, you know, there's an alien in it. There's an alien in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess. So, Super Eight and Attack the Block are very similar. They are. Uh, I've always liked those kind of. I've liked the science fiction, yeah. alien, you know, space kind of movies. They're yeah. just my thing. So yeah. And J.J. Abrams. Yeah, love what love everything he's done so far. How so. much lens flares in that movie? Quite a, a bit of lens flare. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> probably he's just probably the much. reason I even know what lens flare is. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and then I, think, I watched Star Trek, I was like, oh my gosh, he's doing this every three seconds. I think that's true for a lot of uh, the general public. It's like, hey, here's a shot of the bathroom. Oh, the toilet lid's got lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joel Mayward, did you see? You saw it, right? I did. It was... Uh, it was my number six film, so it barely. Ah. But yeah, same reason for Attack the Block. It's teenagers <laughs> and aliens, and those two things combined are pretty awesome. Yeah. But I talked to uh, Joel Courtney, uh, the kid, brand new kid to this movie, brand new actor, and then Elle Fanning. Their performances are pretty remarkable. Yeah, they were great. Yeah, there's Clearly, the scene where she's kind of confessing in his room, and that's what I was about to hearing where she's coming from. Um, it's just a super cathartic moment and very just emotionally gripping. Yep. Uh, especially for child actors. Um, kind of just shows the whole movie. It's like all about the kids. The, the adults don't get it. The actors, even as the adults aren't as good and the kids are just kind of the ones that are celebrated. And I think there's a part of me that I hang out with high school kids all the time. And that's, I just see all this potential and this film captures a bit of that. Yeah, that's a great point. Note to self, if I ever get into the movie biz, make a movie about teenagers and aliens, and Joel <laughs> will instantly like it. <laughs> that is my plan. There you go. That has uh, my vote. I'm, I'm in with that. <laughs> Joel Cavermo, did you catch it? I did not see it. Not one of the ones that you but saw. But based on the trailer, I had a good feeling that it was going to be an alien movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. True. I, I Yeah, I kind of figured that too, but it's not for sure. Yeah. So we'll see if I bleep that. I don't know. I yeah. don't know if I will. Who's up? Joel Cavernmo? I would say my third would be uh, Hannah. 
Aha. Interesting. I liked it. I, I really liked the story. There was some flaws in it. it. It wasn't that deep of a movie, but for pure entertainment value, I thought it was really, really awesome. It was great. Awesome. Anyone else see that? Uh, what was it? Hannah. Oh, I did see it. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> obviously very memorable. I actually didn't didn't like it. I, I it started off kind of interesting to me, and then it just kind of lost me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, I I can appreciate it. it. Had a cool soundtrack, right? And I'd say the beginning or the first third of the movie, I was into it, and then after that, I just kind of I don't know if I got disinterested or what, but it just let me let me try this on for size for you. Yeah. One thing that I liked about it, which ties into the one thing that I wrote down that I was going to complain about during this podcast, is accuracy of uh, accents. Ah. Uh, it drives me insane when movies have a movie, or uh, they have a, a location. Let's say it's set in Germany. Say we have Tom Cruise in, uh, Valkyrie. in, in Project Valkyrie or Operation Valkyrie. Did he have a German accent? Uh, I, I want to say don't he did. Remember? I mean, maybe a stilted Tom Cruise talk I think or something. He did. There's no, there's no Hollywood movies that have accurate accents, and Hannah actually did. It was awesome. It was so great. But what that did to me is it actually felt like a foreign film, hmm. and I wonder if that turned off a lot of people. Is that they just like the pacing was a little weird, and people weren't speaking, you know, in British, like, you know. The, the the default foreign accent is just British. And so I wonder if maybe that had effect on people, how they absorbed the film. It was, um, I believe the budget, uh, two companies contributed to the budget. And I think one company was from America and the other one was from England. I think. I, I have to look back into it. But that probably is why you felt that way uh, and why the film does kind of feel feel like a foreign film yeah it does feel every like a once in film. a while so Which i don't like many foreign films so maybe that's why i didn't <laughs> like it it may be uh i lean towards uh unless Joel they have Carmos. aliens or kids <laughs> unless they, they have aliens or yeah. teenagers that's true attack of the block is kind of a foreign film then right uh, it is. Yeah, it's definitely actually. a form. Which is a great, coming back to trailers, I remember seeing the trailer of that movie thinking, there's no way I'm ever going to see this. This looks terrible. That's right. The trailer was awful. And Cameron went and saw it, and then he was like, dude, it's great. Yeah. You know, you know, and there they, you even go. Showed, they even showed the monster in the trailer. Yeah. It's yeah. coming right at you, so it's a little hard to like read what it is, but right. it's a big furry dog with giant teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I lean towards, Joel, what you think about Hannah. I loved it. Um, I thought it was like, I saw a lot of fairy tale parallels to it. Yeah. Um, and I think you could like really do a study on that movie and point out all the different like uh, like symbolism of classic fairy tales. Like. Some of it kind of heavy handed. I mean, she walks into the mouth of a wolf. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there there's some very obvious stuff. There's a uh, um, Kate Blanchett sharpening her fangs, like literally sharpening her fangs mm-hmm. uh, with with some wire. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. She was. She had to be like Little Miss Perfect. Her shoes, everything had to be clean. So it was kind of like a Wicked Witch, right? She had to be the prettiest, the, the fairest of them all. So she had to mm. just, you know, look perfect all the time. See, that all was above me. I didn't get any of yeah. that. I was just like, it, that's weird. Why she have things? Originally, it was supposed to be a modern fairy tale, but it kind of got morphed into uh, an action film with that element in the background. Right. Which I think was okay. I mean, I don't like movies that are so heavy-handed, uh... Uh, you know, there was parts of this that were a little bit like, you know, hey, we're going to Grimm's, you know, Grimm's house. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Joel Mayward, did you see it? Uh, I did not. It's in my Netflix queue at the top right now. So cool. 
I'll probably be seeing it in the next week or two. Yeah, definitely let us know what you think. Uh, what is your number three? My number three is an obscure little indie film called Take Shelter mm-hmm. by a director named Jeff Nichols and has two of the best performances I think I've seen all year. It's all about just an ordinary guy uh, played by Michael Shannon who starts having these terrifying dreams that feel like visions or premonitions of some sort of imminent disaster that's about to happen. And there's these storms and people outside of his window, and it's very frightening. Uh, and just kind of tension is building throughout this entire film because uh, you don't know if this guy's actually having some sort of vision of the end of the world or if he's literally going crazy, if he's becoming some sort of schizophrenic type of a mental disorder kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And his performance is just so quiet and subtle. And then these small moments and outbursts where he just explodes emotionally on screen. And it's amazing. And then Jessica Chastain, who is in every movie this year. Yeah, every single movie in 2011. Yeah, she's... I think this is one of her best performances out of all, however many she did. And probably the one that's not going to get recognized that much. Uh, she plays his wife, and she's kind of the, I, I guess, the stability in their marriage. She's the one that's kind of holding it all together as he's falling apart. Uh, and, and watching them kind of navigate this difficult situation together is a pretty beautiful thing. There aren't too many marriages in movies that you see that are genuinely healthy. Yeah. Uh, so to watch two people struggle through something that feels authentic and yet they come out loving each other still is a pretty powerful thing too for me. Yeah. So it's kind of like watching if it, I guess I think of it as the Noah story in the Bible. Like a guy gets told by God, Hey, build a giant boat because I'm going to destroy everything. What would you tell your family? Right. You know, what do you tell your friends? Hey, you want to get in my boat? <laughs> oh, you're nuts. <laughs> you know, and and so watching this guy kind of do that in the modern day context is is pretty cool. Absolutely, I also got to catch it while it was in theaters and loved it as well. It made my top ten, um, not top five, but yeah, another great indie film. I don't know if I have anything different to say. I mean, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Jessica Chastain. The other films that she was in, for people who don't know, were The Tree of Life, uh, The Help, and uh, I'm missing some because she was in a lot. But uh, The Debt. The Debt, yeah. And she was Coriolanus in... Coriolanus or something? I don't know how to pronounce that. Oh, yeah. I don't Coriolanus. know how to pronounce that one. Is What? Coriolanus. Coriolanus. Yes. <laughs> okay, funny. let's never mention that movie again. <laughs> I'm going to bleep the end of the title. People are going to be like, what? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, she she uh, had an amazing year, amazing year uh, for a female. And then I think Ryan Gosling would be like the male who had amazing who had an amazing year for me personally. Cam <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, so amazing year. <laughs> Ryan, call me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, keep going here. My number two is one that was already mentioned and we spent quite a bit of time on, so I'm not going to talk too much about it either. Attack the Block. Loved Ditto. it. Yeah, number Ditto, two. My number two. It, it, was, it was fantastic. Uh, one thing that I didn't hear mentioned was that I felt it was uh, another genre-bending film from... Uh, well, he's worked with Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost before, so they've 
made genre-bending films with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and I felt Attack the Block was another genre-bending film. It was very original, creative, and uh, I would not be surprised to see another film similar to that, where we have people living in poor situations or, you know, essentially the ghetto, coming up, rising up, and uh, defeating something great. And yeah. And I'll, I think we'll see more of that really soon. Oh, well, I'm sure we can look forward to the American remake. I'm sure <laughs> oh, it'll geez. be fantastic. No, they're not going to do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we, we might have to take a bet later. <laughs> um, Andrew, what is your number two? It's the same movie. <laughs> what is- it's the same movie. I just told you. Oh. <laughs> Ditto. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, so you like that more than Super 8? Yeah. I got confused. I got that backwards. Yeah. Gotcha. Joel Cavernmo. Uh the Muppets. The Muppets is number two. Wow. Yeah. Uh I thought it was awesome. It, you know, other people I've read articles where other people have said that it's the best Muppet film, you know, at least in the last decade or so. Uh and Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I mean, man, the decade has not been that long, I guess, in my memory, but <laughs> maybe in the last twenty years. The last Muppet movie that was really good was I mean, the Great Muppet Caper. I guess if you're rating on a on a general scale, but I still liked like the Christmas Carol and and the um, Treasure Island one. I, I still like those. But would but, you call those like great no, Muppet movies? No, they were I entertaining. Know. I know for what sure. you mean. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was it was really good. So mm-hmm. yeah, my wife had never seen a Muppet movie before, and she loved it. Awesome. So cool. Yeah, I saw it as well and loved it. I took my daughter to see it, and she loved it. Miss Piggy is her favorite character, and. Uh, she laughed during the uh, chicken song part. The uh-huh. Forget you. It was it was hilarious. It, it was very well done. I, I was quite surprised by it. Anyone else see it? Uh, I saw it. I saw it twice actually. Ah. Um, in two days in a row, I watched it with a bunch of college students who laughed like crazy. <laughs> and then I took my two year old son. It's the second movie he's ever seen in theaters. Uh-huh. He laughed like crazy, and uh, it surprised me just the wide range of accessibility that a bunch of puppets running around making ironic statements like that's it's just good comedy. Totally, it's well it was well written. I think a lot of people get turned off by the idea of these are just puppets talking on screen, but it's it's hilarious and it's heartwarming. Had a great message, and uh, it, you got to see Chris Cooper rapping. And I don't know oh. any other movie where you can... Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that was one part that I uh, did not care for. But... Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I thought it was really... Like, it was it super goofy. It made me uncomfortable. It was so... Yeah, it was so goofy <laughs> that it was cringeworthy. It was perfect puppet humor. Uh, I turned to one of my friends in the middle of it, and we just kind of looked at each other with this, what? Like, literally our hands up in the air, wondering what is happening right now, and if anyone else is seeing this. And it's also one of those good movies that... If you if you're interested in film and you look at the at the the list you know the cast list then you're like oh of course all those songs were written by Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concords and of course that um, oh, what's the main character Jason Siegel yes of course Jason Siegel like wrote the script because mm-hmm. that's uh, you know in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He has a puppet. Uh, he's, he's, his character is writing a play, uh, a musical Dracula about musical. Dracula. Yeah. yeah. Love that movie. And so when you put those two together, you're like, oh, well, of course, that makes sense that he's a huge fan of the Muppets, and it makes sense that this humor is like this. Yeah. Yeah, the music was really good. And I, I, weren't, weren't the Dracula 
puppets, Muppets, weren't they made by, was it Hanson involved in that at all? Which movie are you guys In Sarah Marshall when he did the direct oh, musical. I don't know. Well, no? Henson's been dead for a long time. Well, I know, but I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> the Henson workshop? The, yeah. Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I knew he was a big fan, so that's cool. No, I, I didn't see it. I, I'm going to see it. <laughs> well, that's a that's a cool pick. All right, Joel Mayward, number two. Uh, my number two is Drive. Awesome. I think it's the coolest movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel cooler for having watched it. Um, <laughs> just because Ryan Gosling is so cool in it. Yes. He wears a badass jacket, and he punches people in the face and kicks their feet, face in. And <laughs> I don't know. There's, it, it's just got this style to it. Uh, and I know people talk about the style so much, but the style really is quite unique. It's not what people expected. People went into it thinking it's going to be like the Fast and the Furious, and it's not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just very slow and even contemplative, and kind of like a fairy tale, even very dreamlike fantasy stuff with the the music in the background and the overhead aerial shots of L.A. at night. And it's just, it's kind of like a superhero movie to me, I guess. I think of him as, he's kind of this over-the-top guy who's walking around. He's almost got this superhero uniform with his jacket with the scorpion on the back of it. And he's saving the damsel in distress. And and all of that put together, just, it was so cool. I bought the soundtrack. I drive around to it and pretend that I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you put a toothpick uh, in your mouth? <laughs> uh, I actually kind of slouch in my seat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there you uh, go. <laughs> pretend that my Toyota Corolla is way cooler than it is. <laughs> well, you bringing this up is a great segue into my number one because it is also Drive, my favorite film of the year. Mm. Absolutely loved it. Agree with you once again. Um, most stylish film of the year. Completely unique and creative. Music, agreed. It's awesome. It's got, I think, like five or six songs uh, at the beginning of the soundtrack, if you buy the soundtrack, which I recommend, that are done by like these groups who do like kind of neo-80s stuff. Like It's stuff that you would expect to hear in the 80s, but it has kind of a modern touch is it, to it. Is it uh, glass, glass candy? Uh, I... I'm not I don't sure, know, but that sounds delicious. I haven't, I haven't seen I, I Drive. Seem to recognize I haven't that, either. But Nicholas Reffin was the director right. of Drive, and he also did Bronson, mm-hmm. which also had kind of a neo indies. Uh, you think it's '80s, uh, you know, music, but it's not. It's it's current. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, I I didn't see Drive. I want to say that Glass Candy's not on there, but. Um, the guy who's in Glass Candy is in another band, uh-huh. and that band is on the song. Oh, okay. But I'm okay. not sure. I would have to check that. But um, there is a band, The Chromatics. They are on there, and that's a band that I've that I've liked for a little while. Yeah, the soundtrack's awesome. What else? Ryan Gosling's awesome. Uh, Joel pretty much covered all the stuff I was going to say. The editing all and right. cinematography, no, it's all right, uh, it is completely original. And I, I believe I reviewed it in full on uh, episode six. So if you want a full review, you can uh, listen to that one. But uh, yeah, favorite film of the year is Drive. Uh, can I? Albert Brooks is probably the best, the second best villain behind Rachel McAdams. Yes. So <laughs> Definitely. At, the guy from Finding Nemo, you know, <laughs> and he's a comedian, and he's stabbing people in the neck with butcher knives. Yes. Wow. It, it was totally unexpected. Absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Andrew, your yes, favorite sir. film of the year. It's probably a little, uh, it's a little um, unknown gem that no one's heard of. Uh, not a very big following. It's uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows <laughs> Part 2. <laughs> Joel Cavermo is shaking his head right I now. I actually thought, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. I've liked them all. I didn't read the books at all. We've talked about this on the show. I just thought it was a great ending, you know, and I thought the series of movies has been good. And, uh, you know, it just, I've watched it a few more times on Blu-ray since, and I dig it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone else catch it? I did. You hated it. Uh, no, it was okay. I've read all the books. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So as like a Harry Potter purist, I've hated all the movies. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed seeing them. I'm, I appreciate that they're made, but they don't do the story any justice. And so I always come out of it like, Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> new director next time. <laughs> well, I'm kind of with you there because I am not a fan of David Yates, the guy who's taken over since Order of the Phoenix, the fifth movie. Uh, I just not a fan of his. Uh, I don't like his directing style, and so I've felt I've I've disliked the rest of the films. But I still watch them because same reason that you said just to just to see the movie, just to watch the uh, pictures on the screen. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, the movie was enjoyable, but any time that I watch the movies. I have a hard time understanding how someone who hasn't read the books even knows what's going on. Yeah. Oh, totally. And Especially in Order of the Phoenix. And that's my prejudice, I think. If if I hadn't read the books, maybe I would be able to follow it more because I'm not, in my mind, editing it for what they should be doing. But uh, but that's why I don't like the movies is because it's like the person who doesn't know the story is going to be totally lost. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed the third movie a lot, um, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, uh-huh. who... I don't know if you like that movie. I mean, it, it's uh, still very different from the book. I mean, not too different, but it's that's different. That's the Prisoner of Azkaban? Correct. That's the, first Harry, that's the first experience of Harry Potter I ever had. I hadn't read the books or anything, and I only oh. saw that movie, and I loved it. Okay. Yeah. So I would agree with that. Yeah. That movie is, is well made. Yeah. Uh, still doesn't follow the book page to page, but is still really well done, like, on its own. Yeah. You can't follow it page to page. It would be six hours long, right? Isn't well, that the reason? That's true. I'm, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not denying that. Yeah. But, but it's still better than the others. <laughs> yeah. Joel, have you seen uh, the last Harry Potter? Uh, I have not seen any Harry Potters, nor have I read any of the books. So I am out of the loop. Actually, that's not true. I watched the first half of the very first Harry Potter film and got so bored that I stopped. <laughs> Interesting. People keep telling me, well, you just got to keep watching until the third film, and then it'll be good. And I'm like, well, oh, yeah, you only have to give hours up six of hours of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so right. that's where I'm at with Harry Potter. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you at all. But I will agree with Joel Cavermo that the books are, are well-written and, uh, and fun and magical. Maybe if Ryan Gosling was in Harry yeah. Potter. Yes. <laughs> it'd be the greatest thing ever. <laughs> all right. You guys are taking it too far. <laughs> Joel Cavernmo, your favorite film of 2011. Uh, 13 Assassins. Ah, I have not seen that, but... Uh, oh, me yeah. either, but I hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the book was, was way better. Yeah, the book was better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's, on instant, it's on Netflix Instant View, so if you haven't seen it, you don't really have much of an excuse unless you don't have Netflix. Is but, it a foreign film? It is. It's Japanese. Oh, man. They don't make anything good. It's a samurai <laughs> film. <laughs> That's your own people, by the way. Oh, again. 
<laughs> Proof's in the pudding. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. It uh, I felt that it was, um, you know, it had very Kurosawa-esque moments in it. Uh, the pacing was patient, but not too slow. There was amazing, amazing fight sequences that what, just give went me a on quick for days. Synopsis of the story. What am, what am I looking at here? Quick synopsis is that uh, it's in feudal Japan. I don't know precisely what year it is. Uh, and the son of the current emperor is basically just a sadistic guy that goes around and rapes whoever he feels like and kills whoever he feels like. And because he's the emperor's son, the other kind of leaders of the regions can't openly resist him because they can't resist the emperor, but they hire uh, some uh, some shogun to go take care of him. So these you know former samurai form a band of thirteen, and they come up with a plan to annihilate him and his army. Oh, okay. Hmm. Cool. Uh, Joel Mayward, have you seen that? Uh, yeah, I have. Oh. I watched it on Netflix, gosh, a couple months ago. Yeah. And I would agree with the reference to Kurosawa. It feels very much like that, like the classic Seven Samurai, um, only in color. Yeah. And with twice as many samurai. Automatically. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's a little bit of that slower pacing because it's actually building in each individual character, what their motivation and their story is to, to form this band and why they're doing it. And, and I would definitely agree about the action sequences. They're, they're swift and they're brutal and they're intense and they're just very well filmed and very well made. Yeah. So I really, yeah, I enjoyed that too. I had totally forgotten about that film that it was made this year, but I would agree. That's a great film. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there's, I don't think it's ruining it, to say this, but even despite, sorry, Andrew, despite it being a foreign film yeah. and you have to read, Crap. Uh, <laughs> there's some amazing lines in it that are so great. And I don't think it's ruining it to tell you that there's a scene uh, where a guy's just had his head chopped off oh. and he was like the, the servant to this, this evil guy. And the evil guy just kind of laughs and kicks the head. <laughs> and the guy that did the head chopping says, like, he just died for you, and you're going to kick his head? Like, what's your problem? Oh, it was see, great. Seems funny. Sounds crazy. I'll yeah. have to check that one out. It's a good recommendation. Joel Mayward, your favorite film of the year. We know it's favorite not Harry Potter. We know is. it's not Harry Potter. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's not Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, my favorite film is The Tree of Life. By Terrence Malick. Awesome. And Malick is probably my favorite filmmaker. You and five other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, most of the people who watched The Tree of Life in theaters fell asleep mm. uh, or they walked out. Set a record in a couple different theaters for walkouts. Like wow. Nice. People walked out in about seven minutes. <laughs> um, and I thought it was beautiful and one of the best cinematic experiences I've ever had. It's basically about a family in Texas that uh, is dealing with the loss of one of the boys. And then it's also about everything in all of human history all together at once. Yep. So it's kind of more like a symphony than it is a film. There's specific acts that are set to music, and it's very much driven by image and narration over narrative. And I loved it. 
I thought it was an amazing spiritual meditation on what it means to be human, meditation on God, meditation on beauty, on family. And uh, Jessica Chastain's in that as well, and does an amazing job of embodying grace as the mom. And Brad Pitt is the dad, and I would say gives his best performance of 2011. A lot of people like him for Moneyball, um, but I think him as the father in The Tree of Life is even even better. So my, that's my favorite film. Awesome. Uh, Critic, I... Critics agree with me, but not very many other people do. So. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. I I loved it. I it didn't make my top five. I don't think it gave it. I don't think it even made my top ten. Only because maybe because I need to watch it again. Uh, I think I commented on your blog or on on your top ten that uh, there's so much going on in the movie. I mean, there's images flashing at you, and they change every five seconds, and they change completely. I mean. Two completely unrelated things will show up within 10 seconds of each other, and uh, I don't know, maybe my mind's just not quick enough to pick up on the symbolism or the imagery, but uh, there's a lot going on. And so if I see it again, maybe I'll go, oh, that's what that means, or oh, he's trying to tell me this right now. But a one-time viewing definitely uh, definitely got me uh, hooked. And I just need to see it again. Uh, and that's, I, like I think Terrence Malick's films are like that, where you have to watch it the first time and just kind of let it wash over you. And you can't even try to understand it. You just have to experience it and let it happen. Mm-hmm. And then the second and third and fourth times, you start picking up the pieces and making these connections and seeing the, the truth that he's kind of hidden in these small images. Um, there's an image of a house underwater and a mask floating up from it that's just for maybe half of a second that flashes in the film. Yep. But that plays a significant part. Um, there's a, there's a scene with dinosaurs in it. I like dinosaurs. A lot of people think it's <laughs> kind of funny and comedic because there's these two dinosaurs that randomly appear and kind of fight one another in a riverbed. Right. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful embodiment of the, the themes in it are grace and nature and this tension between the two of nature, which is, typically driven by anger and death and grace, which isn't, and how these two are constantly colliding with underwater masks, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, and maybe this will make sense to you because you've seen it. I was, like, absolutely captivated between the parts where uh, it's right after the evolution sequence and before it goes back to Sean Penn in the desert the whole backstory with the family and the kids and the tension between the father and the oldest son, like, just, I was glued. Like, oh my gosh, that was brilliant. And the rest of it is the part where I'm just like, okay, I got to watch this again because I don't know what that part means. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, it's very weird and obscure, and Terrence Malick doesn't really make much sense, and I've even read interviews. Sean Penn is in it, and he doesn't even really say a word the entire movie. <laughs> And in an interview, basically was saying, I have no idea what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I read the same thing. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of amusing, too, that people don't even know what they're doing when they're in the film. <laughs> um, but I still loved it. So maybe that's telling about me and the way that I view movie, movies and life in general. But that's my favorite movie of 2011. Well, thank you very much. You can uh, find Joel's full top 10, or actually you list 20, 
on your blog at joelmayward.blogspot.com. I'll provide a link at the bottom of this article. Joel, it's a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Before, oh. before you go, oh. I have one question. Okay. Uh, popped in my head. Tell me either the worst or most disappointing movie you saw in 2011. Either you were pumped up to see it and you thought it sucked, or it just flat out sucked, you weren't pumped up, or extremely disappointed. Uh, Is there anything that pops in your head? Most The worst movie I saw was The Smurfs. I had to take my daughter to see it. <laughs> It's awful. Oh, man. Oh, it's so I could have told you that wasn't going to be good well, just from the trailer and Joel's trailer review. Obviously, I had low expectations going. I had low expectations going in, and it was still just dreadful. Yeah, dreadful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? I can roll with that. Uh, I'm going to roll with a little ditty called Shark Night. I watched it last night, <laughs> and it was the dumbest, worst shark movie ever made. Other than some stuff that's maybe been on Sci-Fi. Like Sharktopus, but was, <laughs> I mean, it was just so I knew it was going to suck, but I like sharks and I thought maybe they'd look cool. They didn't even look cool. They look like <laughs> they're kind of rubbery and they're in a lake and the CG was really hokey. And uh, yeah, I can't say I watched every second of it. I kind of skipped the shark parts, but not good. <laughs> uh, Joel Cavermo. Skip it. You have a worst movie. Shark Night. Did Skyline 3D. come out this year? Uh, I think Ooh, that was, that's a that good was, one, too. I think that was last year. That's a stink. I want to uh, say that was last year. Okay. Wow. Uh, I fell asleep through Rango like three times. Oh, like, I tried to watch it and fell asleep and then tried to watch it again and fell asleep. I think the last time I actually watched it, I thought that I was asleep because I still wasn't getting it. <laughs> so I really didn't like Rango. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed Rango, but I thought it, was not, it, wasn't, it wasn't great. It started off okay to me and then yeah. I kind of lost interest. I wanted to say about, uh, about Tree of Life, I didn't oh. see it. But I love Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I what think else has he done? He did um, The New World, and he did The Thin Red Line. I've never seen it. And him. he really hasn't done that much stuff. Right. Like he takes long he's, breaks. Yeah, he like, takes like five years to do a movie. If he directed a Harry Potter movie, would Joe like it? No. <laughs> I probably I don't think would he, see it. I don't think anyone would like it. <laughs> no one else would like it. Yeah. <laughs> No, there'll be dinosaurs and all kinds of crazy stuff. He's going on. definitely not accessible. <laughs> he he, you, it's a commitment to watch yeah. one of his movies. But if you can just let yourself experience it and and uh, <laughs> move beyond just wanting to be entertained and just watch it for what it is. And right. Terrence Malick movies are brilliant. They're mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, uh, Joel Mayward, worst movie you saw this year? And I'm I'm still thinking. Um, <laughs> I try to avoid bad movies. Yeah, I know. Me too. Or at least forget um, them. Probably the one that I I expected more out of it, and I thought it was pretty bad, was In Time. Oh, okay. Um, the sci-fi film directed by the same guy who did Gattaca. Right. Oh. Justin Timberlake in it, and there, there's a car crash sequence in it that's so fake with the CGI and is so <laughs> inappropriate in the film. It doesn't make any sense. They they roll a, a convertible like end over end multiple times and then walk out. <laughs> and uh, I think after that part, I was just like, "This is dumb. <laughs> what am I doing here?" And I watched it at like the ten thirty showing late at night, and I was like, "I could be asleep right now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, I'm not. So and I want to be. And when I want to be asleep, instead of watching the film that's on the screen, that's never a good thing. So time is money. What happens when you total your car? I don't know. You walk away. You don't die or something. <laughs> say, I'm not sure. Eh, didn't like it anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it was a it was a movie with a really cool concept, but the execution could have been better. Yeah, yeah. Disappointing. There were all sorts of time puns. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> all and, throughout the script, and all the characters are named after like old watchmakers. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, my top twenty can be seen at my website at cam-foo.com. That's cam-foo.com, and uh, yeah. All of our uh, favorite films of the year. Joel Cavermo, did you want to promote a website or a blog or a Twitter or anything? Sure. If people want to check out the blog where I review movie trailers, it's I haven't seen it, but .tumblr.com. Uh, I haven't updated it in a long time because there haven't been a lot of trailers that interested me until recently. So hopefully I'll have a slew of trailers to, to uh, critique and be snarky about very soon. Awesome. And I, I read it, and it's it's pretty fun to read. So any movie fan will enjoy that website. Great. Before we wrap up, I asked all of my friends on Facebook to uh, tell me what their favorite movies of the year were. And uh, I just wanted to share a couple of my uh, my friends' answers. Friends'? Uh, friends's? My friends', my friends like answer. Shark Nights. <laughs> <laughs> it's a foreign film. My friends', they all like Shark Nights. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Christy, my friend Christy from Florida, said that uh, the movie that she liked the most was Change Up. The Change Up. The Change Up. Yes, I saw that. The Change Up with Michael Michael Bateman and no, no, <laughs> thinking of a different movie. Jason Bateman. Jason, I always say Michael Bateman because he played Michael. Oh, never mind. Michael Bluth. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jason Bateman and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, uh, was her favorite film. Interesting. Um, let's see here. Philip. Philip. Uh, Philip. Philip. Uh, Philip. <laughs> yeah. He said that his favorite movies were Drive and Muppets. So, the Muppets. So, two Drive movies. Muppets. Drive and it's Muppets. It's called Drive and Muppets. <laughs> uh, so, two movies that we talked about. Uh, my cousin April said that her favorite movie was Bridesmaids. Uh, I think we mentioned it really quick. Didn't but make anybody's top no, five. No, it didn't make anyone's top five, but it's a very, very good film. Very funny. I enjoyed it as well. Let's see. My friend Molly. Uh, who is also from Washington State, says that her favorite was 50-50, um, which I like too, and I totally forgot about for some reason um, when I was writing my top 20, but I still don't think it would make my top 20. And Taryn, a co-worker, uh, said that Taryn. her favorite... Yeah. Mm. That's how you is say that short name, for right? a Taryn Dactyl. Taryn Dactyl. Just kidding. She hi. said... Hi. Hi, Taryn. <laughs> she said her favorite movie was Beautiful. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah. It's with got uh, Javier Bardem. <laughs> Javier, yeah. I think that's a 2010 movie, but it probably Ugh. wasn't very accessible to us in the United States until 2011. So I will take that answer. Mm. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully, we gave you some good movie recommendations. If you want to let us know what your favorite film of the year, please do not be afraid to leave us a comment. On our website at camfooandfriends.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash camfooandfriends. If you haven't subscribed to our show yet, you can do so through iTunes or uh, use our RSS feed on your favorite audio player. Big thanks to Andrew, Joel, Cavernmo, and Joel Mayward in Arizona for uh, being with me tonight. Thank you, gentlemen. It was a pleasure. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We hope that you will join us for... The uh, other episodes we'll be doing on music and TV that will be out soon. For now, we are out.